0: It seems like the only place that money is pouring into the crypto space at the moment is in early venture capital. Today, I have a guest who has runs a fund for ARCA called the Endeavor Fund, which focuses on exactly that. So we're going to be able to talk about what he's seeing in private and public markets surrounding uh, venture capital in the crypto space. As we, of course, see companies like Andreessen Horowitz pour just millions and seemingly billions into the space as everybody bitches and moans about the bear market that they clearly are not particularly concerned about. Also, the Ethereum merge, of course, we talk about it every day, because there's not that much to talk about in the crypto space at the moment. We are seeing a bit of a, arguably sell the news event at the moment, with price continuing uh, to drop and then solidify. The question is, will it go down or up from here? The question everyone always wants to know. I think there's a pretty good chance, based on the chart, that we'll see a bit more downside before inevitable Bullishness from the merge. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and merge your finger with the like button an so Ethereum merge dad joke for you guys because it's Tuesday morning and it felt necessary. Now, hope you guys are all having a wonderful Tuesday morning. The crypto market seems to be kind of effectively trading sideways. I think there's no surprises. As we know at the moment, crypto is highly correlated and tied to macro. And people, I think, are just holding their breath and waiting to see what happens with global markets before they get particularly excited about crypto once again. Uh, And that's fine. And that's fine because we know that the decoupling, which has been slowly starting, but we know that decoupling is inevitable next time that we sort of see stability in global markets and that crypto will once again massively outperform other markets. Of course, this week we have the Jackson Hole Symposium on Friday. That's when the Fed gets around and uh, plans how to fuck us. That's what they do. They get together in a group and they brainstorm ideas on how to make our lives as miserable as humanly possible. Um, Just a bunch of old white guys uh, choosing what words to use to define the destiny of all markets globally. No big deal at all, right? So it doesn't actually matter what happens. It just matters how they decide to talk about what happens. But as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm going to do kind of a deep dive into Ethereum today. I've got a bunch of charts. We're going to chart. We're going to chart. Uh, But first, I want to bring on today's guest, David Nays. You guys have seen him before. Former New York City DJ, much like myself. we uh, were one of some of the few uh, unicorns that went from DJing in the same spots uh, right into crypto. Who runs the Endeavor Venture Capital Fund at ARCA and could probably give us a hell of a lot of insight into what's happening there. How are you, Dave?
1: I'm doing fantastic, but Scott, comparable to your tan, I'm not doing as well as you.
0: Well, you know, it's been a, it's been a good, good summer. The, the good news about markets sucking is that you can uh, spend more time laying outside, uh, ignoring everything that's happening. So as I touched on before, it seems that there's been no slowdown at all on the venture capital side. Right. Yep. We're certainly not hearing about companies buying Bitcoin anymore. We're not hearing about, uh, you know, really much fundamentally with any of the layer ones, anything like that. It seems that the whole story right now is companies like Andreessen, your own, pouring money into Web3. Yep. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, so I'll give you some some stats here, some data
1: points. So it's not just conjecture. So let's talk about that. So we looked at the last quarter, Q2, of uh, 2022. So some things came out to us. So, in terms of dry powder, and for those that are not familiar with that phrase, it's the amount of capital that VCs have that are they're sitting on, waiting to deploy. So, the amount of dry powder stood at about 290 billion dollars in all of U.S. VC, um, and so that represented about a three-year, um, about a three-year deployment, um, you know, kind of capacity for those VCs. So, there's three years that they are solidified for for you know putting money to this market. And then if you look at the last six months, and this is for VC. And then, of course, you can extrapolate from, you know, you know crypto VC. For the last six months in 2022, VCs have closed at about an additional $120 billion, That's a B, capital B. Yeah. $120 billion in new funds. And so this is already the second highest yearly total of all time. So the amount of capital that's going to be put to work in venture is really quite robust. Now let's get into the digital asset side of things. Um, global. Global digital asset venture funding um, adjusted, um, you know, basically in Q2 from Q1. It was down about 20 percent from about twelve and a half billion dollars in Q1 to about nine point eight. We'll call it 10 billion. Really, honestly, 10 billion basically in the second quarter. Um, That's still. You know comparably yeah. to people that have been that <laughs> would have
0: been like a year worth of VC in 2020, right? So, uh, or more, or more, yeah, probably yeah. less than 10 billion in 2020.
1: Yeah, probably. if you would have put together like 2017, 18, and 19, basically. So, we're you know, quarter. if you kind of expand out, um, you know, a piddly 10 billion dollars deployed in Q2 of 2022. Um, and so. What are we seeing? We're seeing, you know, basically that if you look at Q2 of 2022 and then look back to 2021, what you saw in 2021 in Q2 of, of last year was about 374 deals that were completed at that time. Um, and the aggregate amount of that was about six and a half billion dollars. In Q2 this year, as I said, again, you had about 600 plus deals that were done. Again, yeah, that about $10 billion deployed. So as you alluded to, while everyone is obviously talking about crypto winter, recession, nuclear war, whatever you want to call it, the money is still coming in. And so what did we see? We started to see kind of where that money was coming into sector by sector. And I think this is interesting, obviously, for those that are following the public side of things. Sector by sector, we saw some stark differences between last year and this year. So, last year, DeFi was about 35% of the overall pie in Q2 of last year. Mm. DeFi was (laughs) roughly about 16% this (laughs) time. Totally. Yeah. Um, So, you know, uh, effectively more than 50% kind of having off of that. Where you started to see a big pickup, as you alluded to, is in the idea of Web3. Web3 last year represented about 15% of the overall pie. This time, it represented 42% of the pie. So you're starting to see kind of a sector shift, if you will, uh, from, you know, last time this year to now. Uh, I have to say, though, NFTs represented kind of, there was a strong correlation between last year and this year. NFTs last year was about 16% of the overall pie. This year was about 13%. So you didn't see a many- I,
0: Right. I think that makes sense, though. Obviously, we know that sort of these sectors are a bit cyclical in uh crypto and this right around last summer was when nfts went absolutely nuts saturday night live all of that so i think there's also a when you're comparing apples to apples of quarters you get the timing right if if defi had been defi summer we would sort of see different uh, comparable numbers but that's really interesting and and anecdotally i think that's kind of obvious right i think there's been a massive uh sort of i don't know i think people are questioning defi you know, they're worried. We have hacks. We have another one today that I'll talk about, obviously, or a rug pull hack. Who knows? I don't even know what to call them anymore. But I think people are just very skeptical, even especially probably attributing the failure of these C5 platforms and wrongfully, perhaps, uh, you know, attributing to that to, to DeFi. Yeah, um, I do think ahead. there's
1: something interesting there. Um, and I'm about it's, it's a great day that we're doing this because I'm actually about to talk to all of our investors about the, the performance of the fund for Q2. One of the things that we're looking for in Q3 and Q4, and then indefinitely, is security, uh, enhanced security, real-time threat intelligence for DeFi. Um, we started to see a few of those startups uh, the last few weeks here is this idea of, again, real-time threat intelligence. So it, for people that you know, follow DeFi, that have been investing in DeFi protocols, the way that the, the usual cycle goes is that you create some code. You obviously have a, you know, a DEX or an AMM or some sort of yield farming kind of protocol. And then you go to CERDIC, you go to Trail of Bits, open Zeppelin a few of these more popular audit uh, firms. They look at the code to make sure that it's, you know, not necessarily uh, embedded with disasters in it. And they kind of give you a stamp and they say, okay, you, you have, you know, your, your code has been audited. Um, that is very passive. That usually ends it is. there.
0: But <laughs> Every with- single one of these hacked and exploited codes right. has been audited by right. three or four of the main firms. Right. everyone. So what
1: we believe is going to be incredibly important going forward for DeFi's adoption and further expansion is this idea of real-time threat intelligence. And the way that I look at it is if you extrapolate from the late 90s, uh in the late ni- in, in the mid-90s, we'll start back there, no one relatively used credit cards to put their personal information to buy things, you know, on Amazon or any other kind of websites that existed. It was, it was very uh, it was very frightening for the majority of consumers because, again, you started to hear about you know, this idea of your identity be stolen, et cetera, et cetera. Then in the late 90s, SSL and then its next layer, TSL, TLS, was introduced into uh, mainstream e-commerce, and that was in, uh, in further enhanced in layers of encryption. People started to say, okay, it's now more protected. I feel more comfortable doing this. I'm not having my identity you know, stolen on a monthly on a, on a basis. And so they start to get more comfortable with it. We think that that is going to be somewhat similar to what happens for DeFi. And we're obviously looking for that. We think that that real-time threat intelligence with DeFi is going to help DeFi excel. And just one last point about DeFi versus CeFi. If you look over the course of Q2, you alluded to CeFi having massive explosions with, you know, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, other ones out there. Defi, even though obviously it had a few significant, you know, stories out there and some very significant issues, Uniswap and some of the other, you know, kind of dexes out there actually held up. They their code worked, um, and again, was, and you know,
0: certainly anywhere that there were loans, it was exactly. sort of order, order orderly liquidations, margin right. calls. Nothing broke because it was code and not people, right? Exactly. And they had the collateral. <laughs> That's the difference. Is in Defi, you actually have to post the collateral. That's right. So we think that that shows
1: that there is a furtherance of DeFi, that it can work. It's just to your point that, you know, we cannot continue to have these news headlines about another hack, another exploit, especially with the bridges. The bridges are a main point of failure for a lot of this. And so we really think that what we're starting to see, and this is gonna take a few months, you know, to kind of implement, it's probably this time next year, hopefully we're talking about some significantly huge, you know, security firms that are monitoring, that are able to provide that layer of protection. But it's going to take some time. But we think that that's going to be really important going forward.
0: Yeah, I think that that uh, makes a lot of sense. We need renewed faith and just a slowdown and all the exploits and hacks, I think, for people to really believe and want to throw their money back in there. Now, we talk about the fact that there's so much money pouring in through venture capital, obviously. But, I mean, your fund endeavor, Andreessen, are they actually performing well right now? Or is this a really uncomfortable call that you have to have with your uh, investors in a few minutes after this?
1: obviously can't talk about performance on this, but I would say that relative to the public markets, you know, we're, we're doing well, you know, I would say that the companies that we are looking at uh, really try to perform a service that is universal, that's agnostic. Um, I would say with us, we haven't tried to get into one ecosystem and one ecosystem only uh, and kind of pigeonholing ourselves there. We haven't only focused on one sector and one sector only. Um, I think that diversification is important. But we're also, as I said, again, we're trying to really start to narrow in on some sectors that we think are going to be incredibly important. And the two themes that are driving that sector uh, rotation for us is the user experience and security. Um, yeah. No longer can we accept that it takes 10 steps for a outsider to get into this world. And that's comfortable.
0: Um, and then they get exploited. Exactly. <laughs> or they yeah. lose their keys or whatever it is. Like right. when you become your single point of failure once you get there and it's right. even worse.
1: Right. You know, for anyone out there who obviously downloads an app on their iPhone or their Android, they download it. And within that first 30 seconds to 60 seconds, you have to have some sort of an experience with it. You have to say, Oh, this is actually really cool. This is going to help me. You know, if it's a, a gym app, it's gotta be like, okay, I don't wanna be instantaneously put into this place where I have to buy things or I have to you know, further do things. I wanna be able to use it a little bit. I wanna see if it actually helps me in my life. Um, and that we think is going to be really important that user experience that we have to abstract away these complexities that are built into Web3 and make it really frictionless. And that sounds simple, but for the last two years, as we've seen this massive Web3 build out, it's kind of been ignored. And so we think that that's gonna be important going forward and that's where we're gonna be focusing on. So. I think it'll be a very good call. Thank you.
0: How uh, how important do you think that the merge is at this point? I think we've obviously seen sort of this uh, bullish narrative from the lows at 800 all the way up to 2000 sort of retraced a bit. But do you think that a lot of this market is hinging on the success of that event? I
1: definitely think that it's, um, and that's why it's taken, you know, the years that it's taken, it didn't just happen overnight. This took years, you know, last few years of testing of, of porting over, you had the beacon chain, you had all the work that they've been doing to ensure that this was going to work. Yeah, it's big. You know, Ethereum is obviously the second biggest out there versus Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot of things that are built on it. There's a lot of dependencies on it. You know, DeFi, NFTs, gaming, um, a lot of the sectors are depending on it. So yes, I would say that final kind of push in the middle of September is going to be incredibly important. And obviously, you know, what we've seen know over the course of the last few weeks is that the testing has shown to be positive. Um, but it is massive. And I think, you know, if and when it does go well, and hopefully, you know, obviously fingers crossed that it does, uh, if and when it does, I think one of the things that's always been a criticism from the institutional investor as well too about you know digital assets and crypto in general, is this kind of narrative of dirty chains, of it consuming too much energy. Like you know, obviously that's what they always claim on Bitcoin right away, is that it consumes too much energy. Uh, they don't look at, obviously, the kind of the data behind it, what the energy is actually being used for. Um, when it moves over to, uh, to POS, to proof of, of stake, um, I think you're going to start to see. And this is a narrative that we're also tracking for the next few months. Is this idea of sustainability. Uh, can chains be able to produce the kind of outcomes that we need and also uh, have a low carbon footprint? Um, and so I think, you know, this is going to be a big rebuff. In addition uh, to obviously, you know, being very important for the overall ecosystem. But I think this is going to be a big rebuff that, you know, digital assets and blockchains in general can't function in, in a sustainable way. And I think that's going to be something we're going to be tracking too.
0: I love that measured and intelligent response, because when I asked you right before the stream, what do you think of the merge? You said, I really hope they don't fuck it up and i quote i believe right i can I, say
1: I, 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 that's <laughs> unquoted yes that, that you know it w- it would be you know as i as i you know as i alluded to in more of the political correct tone that i have to use on air obviously it, it is something that you know it is a very big step right um, i mean you could argue
0: that there's more downside like everyone expects the upside already that's sort of priced in or expected so if something goes truly wrong maybe the downside of this uh, is what we should be talking about the potential not that it will happen
1: Obviously, you always have to be measured with that. You always have to have downside protection when you're looking at things like this. Um, and as obviously, as we always tell investors out there, you know, we can all talk and we can all provide the data and the information and the research. But it's also really important for them to do it on their own and to also you know, look at you know the information, too. You know, they've looked to us, obviously, as people that have been in the industry now for a number of years that have expertise around it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, there are biases, you know, out there. People can get really hyped and there can be a lot of Hopium out there. And you know about the Hopium, especially on crypto Twitter out there between the Maxis and everyone else. Um, And so it's always really important to not only, you know, you know, read and trust and people, you know, that are, you know, putting out great content like yourself and others out there, but to really kind of look at the information themselves and try to make a judgment call. Um, and so you know doing that, I think, is incredibly important in addition to obviously the expertise and the experience that's in the market these days.
0: Is there an aspect of venture capital? I mean, you see like Andreessen Horowitz, they raise obviously these massive funds, four point five billion, whatever. Yep. but they usually have a five or sometimes ten year time horizon. Isn't there actually pressure and difficulty sometimes deploying which sort of forces them to make investments actively on a month to month week to week basis? and Maybe that skews a bit of what we're seeing. If you look at what Andreessen did, I believe they
1: raised about $4.5 billion, you alluded to. And I think they earmarked about a billion dollars of that to seed rounds. Um, for right. those who aren't familiar with the dynamics of seed and venture and digital assets, seed rounds are typically anywhere between 2 to $4 million raised anywhere now in this market, usually around 15 to 20 million post money valuation. And so if you think about it, if, the, if a company is raising $4 million and you have a billion dollars, or
0: 500 companies
1: yeah that's you know and it's only one lp it's only one lp in that cap table and so for founders while Andreessen obviously has a fantastic brand and they've done amazing things over their existence founders want diversity because different lps provide different inputs and outputs uh they have networks they have people within their you know circles that could be very useful they have other portfolio companies that can be very useful um, and so founders are very cognizant out there today that having diversity of a cap table is very important. So, yeah, it is trying. You know, we do see a lot of that out there. We see big funds trying to push and get larger allocations. Uh, and the founders out there that want a big flashy name on their website will go that route. Uh, and others that want to have investors that are really going to be dependable and, you know, working with you weekly and monthly And, you know, really providing you that input that you need to grow your company or your project, those are the founders that are going to, in my opinion, are going to succeed versus the ones that are looking with big, flashy names.
0: Yeah. I I mean, Andreessen, obviously, it's not on the crypto side, but they just kind of controversially gave $350 million to Adam Newman of WeWork fame for his new project, Flow. And it seems like this sort of eye-opening thing. But when you think about it in context of the billions they need to deploy, it seems like actually it kind of reduces a headache to write bigger checks to single parties than to do what you just talked about, which is find four or 500, which becomes just spray and pray, right? right? Um, and make bigger bets because you have to deploy the capital. So it seems like I, I'm just, I wonder if a lot of the raise still is from like sort of the former hype of the last bull market. And we're seeing a lot of it deployed because it's there and has to be. Right. You can't just sit on it. You can't sit on the four and a half billion dollars for yeah. five years and wait for the market to turn.
1: No, you can't. But at the same time, you know, I categorized it and we experienced this as well as other VCs in the space too that we talked to on a weekly basis is that when things started to happen in April, May, and June, um, we as a fund took a, a soft pause for a few weeks and just tried to see and chart out what the, you know, kind of contagion was, if you will. Um, and what we thought this world was going to look like in a few months. Um, I thought it was important, and so did, you know, as a firm, we thought it was important just to kind of slow it out a little bit and see how things were going to progress. Um, You know, and so I think many other VCs, and that's obviously, you know, described in in the data that I led to in the beginning of of our chat uh, this morning, you know, the amount of uh, velocity in terms of fundraising definitely slowed down in Q2. Because a lot of other VCs out there said, "Okay, let's just see how things play out, um, and not necessarily try to, you know, drive a Hemi truck into a Cat Five hurricane." Yeah, that makes perfect
0: sense. Well, thank you, Dave, for taking the time to speak with me once again. Good luck on your call today, everyone. You can follow David D a v i d n a g e on the Twitter machine. Thanks, Thanks again, man. I look forward to your next DJ set. Thanks, bro. 2047, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one. Cool. Really good insight there onto what's happening. Uh, I try to, you know, obviously understand the mechanics of of why it's happening and not just look at the headline that says, hey, tons of money is pouring in because I do have a feeling that a bit of it uh, is leftover hype from the last bull cycle. And like I said, if you're sitting on billions and it's literally your mandate to deploy it. You have to find a way to do that uh, no matter what. And when he just said, you know, usually one to two million on a seed round, which by the way, you know, they're not one VC is not getting that full chunk of one to two million. The fact that they need to deploy a billion dollars, well, that should show you why they are uh, throwing money around in the same manner that they are at the moment. So listen, as I talked about. I gave something I very rarely do in the intro. I gave a very specific uh, price target for Ethereum. Doesn't mean I necessarily think it's going to go there because it's based on a chart, but there are some things that are lining up. So let's talk right now about Ethereum. First, Ethereum merge drama continues as traders pile out, then back in. Ethereum regained investor support on Monday after slumping in recent days. Apparently investor support means it stopped dropping. Stopped dropping. But what you might uh, not have known is when we got up around $2,000, uh, open interest was extremely high, almost at record highs for Ethereum, meaning that leveraged traders were heavily long, hopium, bull getting excited about prices only going up. And what happens every time we see longs massively offside with high open interest? We see a flush, which means it's somebody... a lot of money comes in and shorts it causing a liquidation cascade this is a trader's move what we said we could talk about it being risk on risk off ethereum merge all these narratives but when you look at the data here based in this article it's very clear that the recent move down was just a very easy money maker for a whale who wanted to liquidate people who were over leverage tail as old as time i don't know why i keep bringing up beauty and the beast on these streams but it's just Stuck in my head. Well, now, once again, with price dropping down to 1600, they are piling back in and we're seeing a massive rise in open interest. Does that mean price is going to go down again? I don't know. But if we see longs piling up in the same situation at 1600 as 2000, it will be easy pickings for traders that want to send price lower. By the way, I am extremely bullish on Ethereum overall. So when we talk about these things, we're talking about trade, short term, shouldn't really be that relevant to you if you're dollar cost averaging in a long term bull. And I saw a lot of you up, up above. I can't find the content, comments now. Ask me. Here you go. Scott, are you still dollar cost averaging into ETH or too deflated having your ETH bag locked up in Voyager to want to buy at these prices? Well, my ETH bag is certainly deflated, if that's what you were getting at. Um, But yes, I am still uh, dollar cost averaging uh, into ETH at a lower level because my bag is in question. It's very hard for me to determine how much I want to be holding relative to my portfolio if I don't know how much I own. But uh, I see no reason, regardless of anything we talk about here, to alter your dollar cost averaging strategy into the assets that you love, period. I dollar cost average into Ethereum and I dollar cost average into Bitcoin. And frankly, I salivate generally at these prices salivate generally at these prices but let's go take a look at this chart right now Kristen says she would love to buy 12 uh, 1200 ETH. so would i and this is my thinking right here and listen this could become valid invalidated every very quickly but if you guys have been following my ethereum charts guys we're just making our best guess here but it's been pretty accurate as to the general movements right we talked about this ascending triangle that i had posted when price was down well below that 1200 level right and what does that mean we had higher lows consolidating towards a flat resistance. That's called an ascending triangle. And when you see that breakout, you measure the depth of the triangle right there and extrapolate that, pull it to the breakout and you got a target of 1875. This absolutely overshot that to over 2000, but you would consider that a successful trade and a successful pattern showing you what was likely to happen. Then we came on here and said, this looks like an inverse head and shoulders. Regardless, this looks toppy. We saw the 50 MA rollover on the four hour, uh, which I said, you know, would be a drop to the mid 1600s. We got that, broke down below the 200. Of course, this is a short-term chart. This is the four-hour chart. We will look at longer time frames, but I like the four-hour chart for trading, right? Now, listen, this is already pushing up against resistance, but that's one, two, three, and now four touches. as a very strong resistance. If it breaks, we can start talking about higher, but of course, this could very easily just become a bull flat, uh, bear flag, which is often what happens uh, when a pennant breaks upside or downside, right? What I'm looking for, if this is truly a pennant after a drop, which you do not know until the support breaks. These are ideas. Please do not spaz. Please do not do anything stupid. I'm sharing a charting idea and a pattern is just an idea until it is confirmed. It would be confirmed with this break, right? But if we do see a break below this, you have sort of, we can call this the flagpole, right? A bear pennant. I pull that down to where the break is. That gives us a target right in the 1200s, right? Length of the flagpole, wherever it breaks down, target down below. It's breaking up, by the way, right now. So I've been looking for this to kind of form potentially a, uh, form maybe a flag. If it doesn't happen, maybe this will just go completely uh, haywire right now. We won't have to talk about this. But either way, obviously you see this death cross about to happen. The 50 MA about to cross down the 200. So maybe we push up to the sixteen. Uh, 90s right here, hit that cross and drop. But the real reason that I think that this is possible because this was never retested. We had this massive breakout right here above this 1284 level and never came back to test it as report support. You expect that to happen. Doesn't always happen, but you expect it to happen. So the bottom line is I'm very bullish on ETH. You see the line goes up no matter what. If it goes up from here, great. That would be amazing. But if we get a drop to 1284, This area, I would be very excited to uh, not just dollar cost average, but buy that dip. Notably, listen, that's still 50% up from the lows down here in the 800s, right? That's still a monster move. Yes, we went up like two and a half times all the way up to here. And to drop to where we are now is still double, right? How far did Bitcoin? When Bitcoin hit 25,000, that was effectively a 50% from 17,000 lows. Now it's much lower than that. So, even if this drops to 1284, it would still match at that price an equivalent rise to what we saw in Bitcoin from the very, very bottom of this. So, it depends on your perspective. I don't see this as a bearish thing. I don't see this as a bearish thing necessarily, but I think that maybe we see more down before we see more up. Let's take a look here at the daily chart really quickly. Now, if you want the argument that we're finding support, we have the 50MA right here, right? And we haven't broken below it, this slight wick since breaking back above over a month ago on July 17th. So you really want to see the 50 MA hold if you're a bull, which makes this area a likely place for a bounce. If we drop, you're looking at 1440. And then, of course, the same area I was just looking at right now. Where do those come from? Well, 1440 was the high of the 2018 bull market, right? So that's a very logical place to find support. So it could bounce above what I'm talking about. And of course, the line we just talked about, which, by the way, it was the highs here at 1284, but that coincides with this swing low. Right over here. Listen, I would love to see this just honestly go up, right, and uh, be completely wrong. I just think you need to be prepared for any situation. Like I said, I'm still buying ETH. I just really want to buy it down in the 1200s. <laughs> that's the that's the gist here. Of course, looking at the line chart here, we had a massive bullish divergence at the bottom. If you were watching on the four hour chart, right? Yep, my favorite signal. We had RSI down at 18 on Ethereum at the bottom of this with two bull divs and of course a pop we have a potential some little hidden bearish uh divergence but actually it's making a higher high now so that was with a question mark i wouldn't worry about that too much but yeah we had a good signal that things were bottoming maybe we push all the way up to here listen i would not be surprised as i said to see price you know come up especially even if it's going to still go down would not be surprised in any way shape or form to see this kind of come up into this region right here especially if we get this uh death cross of the 50 and 200 ma so that's what i'm looking at at ethereum so listen i would just say don't expect it to happen but maybe put some bids down there in case we get a washout right 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 moving on with the news argentine presidential candidate sued over alleged crypto ponzi scheme here's the irony javier emile once called the central bank a scam now he's being sued for allegedly promoting a scam of his own politicians going to politics, you know what i'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to cough now. I'm going to mute it. You guys may remember that I once coughed into the microphone and chewed on ice and a very angry follower who told me he would never watch me again because I was so disrespectful to my, uh, listeners. Right. But yeah, this guy right here, this handsome, uh, Austin powers lookalike. Uh, He is a top contender to be the next president of Argentina. He's a Bitcoin fan. He's a libertarian. And he promoted some shit called CoinX on his Instagram, which said he was never paid for. Uh, Turned out, he said they are revolutionizing the way to invest to help Argentinians with inflation. You can now simulate your investment in pesos, dollars, or cryptocurrencies and earn a profit. But CoinEx closed up shop after the regulatory national securities commission warned that the platform had no legal right to operate in the country and ordered it to stop operations and that they never uh, made the returns that they promised. So basically it was a massive scam and uh, like an influencer, a presidential candidate was promoting it. And you wonder why people don't like us. Anyways, could be a uh, harmless mistake. You know, could be a harmless mistake. Andreessen Horowitz, here they are again. Can't get rid of these guys. Says crypto can shift power away from big internet companies. Months after it established a 4.5 billion crypto fund, the venture capital firm also said it sees the crypto market slump as an investment opportunity. Well, if you had $4.5 billion and were trying to convince people that it was a really good idea, you would probably tell them that you see the slump as an opportunity too. Listen, they're talking their book, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the underlying point of what was said in this report is actually very important because they're saying there's major monopoly of tech companies in the United States, in the world, the Googles and Facebooks and Amazons of the world that dominate web too. And there's very little variety. There's certainly no decentralization. Everything is centralized and controlled by a few single points of failure. Their argument here regardless of whether this is a good time to invest in Web3 or not, was that the future of Web3 is to decentralize these systems, give people more options, and make it a much more fair market. I think we can actually all get on board with that idea. Next story, Telegram CEO proposes auctioning usernames, links as NFTs. I don't know, maybe just don't. Maybe just don't. I mean, this is fine. He said this would create a new platform where username holders could transfer them to interested parties and protected deals with ownership secured on the blockchain via NFT like smart contracts. But, like, I don't know. Why does someone want my Telegram username? And why on earth would I want to sell it to someone who could then use it to, I don't know, scam the shit out of people? Right. I don't know, this seems like opening a Pandora's box of potential disaster just to make a little money on the side. Because like, frankly, like you really are going to sell the link to your Telegram group that you've built to someone else and let them run your group. This one, I just don't really understand. I I know that we want uh, everything to be an NFT, but maybe don't. But Metaverse avatar platform Ready Player Me raises 56 million from... A16Z, also known as Andreessen Horowitz, and others, right? Ready Player Me has raised $56 million. The Metaverse avatar platform plans to double its current team of 50 people. You have 100 people. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. So what does this platform do? It allows people to create visual avatars that can be used across the metaverses, create a digital version of yourself, go run around in nerd space and do nerd shit, Right? allows you to do that everyone wants that i'd probably uh i don't know what i would be i don't know what would you be if you what, what will your avatar be if you create one to run around in the metaverse let's talk about this what would you guys be uh pandora's jar actually the box was a mistranslation i had no idea what would you guys what would your identity be in the metaverse when you create your avatar is it going to be like here is it going to be dead mouse are you going to be a uh, crypto punk with a weird robotic body and shitty clothes from the 80s? Uh, are you going to be this dude with pink hair? Uh, MB would be a giraffe. Giraffe. Okay. i I'm funny because your avatar right now actually looks like it could be something from the metaverse. What would you guys be? You guys are, oh, you would be Mott Skelker. Janet Yellen. A pixelated Janet Yellen is hot, especially with the, uh, the happy donkey. Scott, I think it's time for McGloan to come McGloin. You said McGlone. Yeah, I talked to him last week. We got to get that back on. Mike, we got to get McGlone back on. I was talking to Mike Lafley. Uh Robocop. I like that. You guys have some good ideas, but I was, I was expecting a little better from you. Expecting a little better. That's cool. But either way, guys, yet another 56, 56, 56 million pouring into another metaverse platform so that we can all avatar ourselves and avoid real life. Now, getting into shit that sucks. NFT Exchange, pseudo Rare suffers $8,000 rug pull six hours after launch. I wouldn't say they suffered it. I would say that they launched a platform, got people to put $800,000 in, and then took the money and ran. This is why nobody likes us. But at this point, like, I'm sorry, man. I love all this stuff. I'll continue to go get rug pulled and take my risks. But like your average person who reads about this shit is not like eager to go down the rabbit hole of crypto. I'm not talking about Bitcoin and start throwing their money into these exotic platforms because all you do is have it disappear. So many ways to lose your money in crypto. So many ways to lose your money in crypto. We need to clean this shit up. Every single day, it feels like we have another one. Chris would be a rainbow kitty, which is cool. Uh, These dreams need more 90s rap references, Scotty. Sorry, I've been off my game. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't even like rugs in the real world either. They they give me allergies. I hate rugs. Yeah. Like important to regularly check your bag. Yeah. Apparently you need to be like awake 24, 7, 365, just to see if someone's stealing your money. So yeah, yet another uh, example of an exploit, hack, rug pull, I don't know, call it whatever fuck you want, or just a scam. They just stole the money. But along those lines, here's a heartlifting, uplifting story. To end it, hackers lose five ether, whopping like eight grand, while trying to attack near protocol's rainbow bridge. Cool. For once, hackers were caught trying to exploit a bridge and the five eth that he put into a contract to try to fool the validators ended up being removed. So this dumb shit lost $8,000 or five ether attempting to hack the bridge, but I think the more notable story is people are trying to attack and exploit every bridge all the time, my God.
1: <sighs>
0: yeah, good riddance, they had it coming, obviously, you know, but oh, you, you're not, oh, that was, you were taught, you were referencing her being a rainbow kitty. That's fine, man. Um, So yeah, we finally have a story where the hackers lost. Yeah, bridges are bad, use tunnels, like yeah, but tunnels are kind of rough too, man. You, like, I don't know if there's things worse in the nightmares than like a flooded tunnel, being stuck in a tunnel for like getting in traffic. And like I've been in the Holland Tunnel for like three hours before it is. Mm. It's not a good time. Not a good time. So for once, the hackers are the hoo sa hers. That's all I got for you guys today. That's all I got for you guys today. Forty forty five minutes. It's pretty good. Forty minutes maybe. Uh, I thought Dave had some valuable insights, smart guy, smart guy over there. And, uh, I got to talk about an actual target for a chart so that you guys can come back and reference what a dumb shit I am, uh, in the future when it inevitably is. Well, where's your Jesus friend today? I have a Jesus friend. I do not know that. Who's my Jesus friend. Oh, the guy in the comments that was, uh, just doing racial slurs. Yeah. I don't know maybe we blocked all of his identities i'm not sure simon thank you buddy uh, i see you all the time on twitter you are very kind uh, and i always appreciate your positivity des you too as well of course you guys there's a lot of people here uh in this community in this little wolf pack whatever we call it. a lot of you guys really uh, very just honestly warm and and, and wonderful people and uh Even in the hard times, you guys make it very easy to continue doing what I'm doing because uh, of the positive feedback and the good vibes. You too, man. You, Drew, Ian, Christopher, all you guys. You guys are always here. Always here. And we appreciate that. And uh, Dez is going to enjoy some sun. Have a great day. Have a great day. All of you guys have a great day. Yeah, what he said. Do that. Anywho, that's all I have got for you. I will see you Tomorrow. Maybe we'll do some charts tomorrow. Wednesdays used to be charting day. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know what's coming. It'll be good. Please. Let's go.